stories in numbers. Stories that will make you feel either good or bad, but in a nice way. But not everything can be captured by numbers. We need stories to make sense of the world we live in. Cuenta na may cuento. Stories in numbers. With Michael Cañares. Hi, welcome back to Stories in Numbers. We are now on episode 6 and this is the last of the series where we will be discussing the results of the research that we did on the social economic impacts of COVID-19 on Tagbilaran City in Central Philippines. As you can remember, for those who have been listening to the podcast, we discussed about how COVID-19 has actually impacted businesses in Tagbilaran City, employees, informal workers, as well as market vendors and tricycle drivers. In this last episode in this series, we will be talking about the policy and programmatic implications of the research as suggested by our informants, more particularly business people, employees, workers, and local residents of Tagbilaran City. So in this podcast, we will outline the 10 areas where policy and programmatic suggestions have been raised by our respondents and also by the experts that we have talked to in the process of conducting this research. We will explain these areas one by one. The first one is strengthening the healthcare system. As we can remember, strengthening the healthcare system has been at the topmost concern of the, several of the respondents that we have surveyed, both from the employee side and the worker side, and also the employers or the business people that we interviewed. It is because everyone is pretty much aware that an increase in the number of cases for COVID-19 will ultimately lead us to again another set of stringent measures and mobility restrictions on the part of people that has already hampered businesses' ability to earn profits, earn sales, and also endangered several jobs. Strengthening the healthcare system needs at least three things. Beefing up the testing capacity. Of course, we know that Tagbilaran City now has two PCR laboratories that are taking in samples and testing them, making the turnaround time of samples and results much faster as compared to previous periods where samples still need to go to Cebu for testing. The second one is actually strengthening the treatment capacity. In several opinion columns that have been written in the past, it has been noted that the bed capacity of healthcare institutions in the city is quite inadequate. Even to actually respond to, for example, a surge in dengue cases, as what we have seen, for example, in the past four years. So the treatment capacity is also critical. And the last one is strengthening the capacity of our frontliners to respond. Again, it has been noted that more and more, there have been shortages on the part of the number of people that are actually able to respond to COVID-19 patients. And this needs to be improved as well. The second area that has been highlighted by our respondents is actually upholding transparency. And upholding transparency means several things. One, it means, for example, the government being honest and accurate in the reportage for the information on the virus, more particularly on the number of people that contracted the virus. So in local media, for example, and in discussion groups and social media, there has been a lot of confusion, especially in the first 
eight weeks of reporting for COVID-19 cases that made several stakeholders and several groups to actually demand for better transparency and better handling of data. The second one is also transparency regarding the status of response efforts. So citizens would like to know, for example, what is actually happening to the different programmatic interventions that were launched by the city government for purposes of cautioning the impacts of COVID-19 on the economic sector, or also in terms of, for example, protecting the most vulnerable from the virus. Which brings me to the third point, or the third programmatic or policy area that has been highlighted by our respondents, which is to protect the most vulnerable. I think there has been an agreement in the past that protecting, for example, senior citizens and the young ones from contracting the virus is important and critical because we have known and um, based on global statistics that the most vulnerable are the ones that are easily impacted by the virus health-wise and they are the ones that are very much vulnerable to sickness as well as death. But the other thing that needs also to be looked at is the economic vulnerability of individuals and households. We have known, for example, that the time that the strict community quarantine was actually imposed, 6,000 jobs have been impacted by the measure to actually restrict mobility. We have known also, for example, that a lot of our market vendors and also our tricycle drivers are impacted by these strict lockdown measures. So the primary question is, those that are actually most economically vulnerable have they been be protected from eventual loss of income and also from hunger that may ensue if there's a continual decrease in revenues or income on the part of the households. The fourth one is to actually gradually reactivate the local economy. There have been several calls, for example, to promote local consumption. There have been several calls to promote local tourism for the purpose of actually slowly and gradually reactivating the economy. Without measures to reactivate the economy, we will know that there will be continuous losses on the part of businessmen. And we have seen, for example, that around 40% are actually projecting themselves to be closing their shops in the next six months or so without any form of support or without the reactivation of local economy. And it's really necessary that the government is actually, or the government will actually look into processes by which the economy can be slowly reopened so that businesses can recover initial losses and also they can hire back workers. The fifth area that has been highlighted by the research is the continuous education of people. In several times, for example, we have seen that people have been complaining that strict physical distancing measures, wearing of face masks, have not been consistently applied or consistently observed in several of the communities, even within Tagbilaran City. So there is a need to ensure that continuous education and information dissemination activities are actually being done so that at one end, we will be able to remind people of measures that could actually contain the spread of the virus and also at the same time remind people that there is really an important need for everyone to cooperate with each other to ensure that we will be able to beat this virus as faster as we could. The sixth is the call for businesses, for churches, for offices to actually transition to low-touch interactions. 
And what do we mean to say by low-touch interactions? This involves ensuring that in our church services, in business transactions, in offices, minimal person-to-person interactions via touching each other or actually sharing the same set of tools or equipments and so on is avoided. Because we know for a fact that high-touch interaction actually increases the vulnerability of everyone to transmit the virus from one person to the other. That's why we, for example, have uh, noted that one store in Tagbilaran City no longer requires buyers or shoppers to sign up for a contract tracing sheet, but uses QR codes instead so that people will not be sharing ball pens anymore or same logbook forms and so on and limit interactions between people so that we can also limit the spread of the virus. The seventh area of concern or the seventh area of programmatic intervention is to guard the liquidity of households and enterprises. So we have seen from the research, for example, that the ones that are badly hit are the ones with very, very shallow pockets or those whose resources are actually very minimal, very low cash resources. They're the ones that are actually impacted negatively economically. So as much as possible, the city government should install measures to ensure that people and businesses can actually extend their liquidity to a longer period of time, cognizant of the fact that the virus might be staying here for a little bit more than what we expected. Extending the liquidity would also mean a lot to individuals. They can extend also their ability to feed their families, while on the part of businesses, they will be able to extend their ability to sustain operations and still contribute to job creation. The eighth area of concern is the promotion of mental health. We have seen, for example, that on the part of workers, depression and anxiety has actually seeped in gradually because of the lockdown measures. Primarily because people can no longer go for support to their friends. People have limited options for recreation. People are stuck into their own homes for quite a longer period of time. And also at the same time, the feeling of uncertainty of what will happen in the future. Not only about contracting the virus, but also about their jobs and their livelihood. So promotion of mental health is a big issue that needs to be tackled by the city government in partnership with other stakeholders. The ninth area is to stimulate investments that would create local jobs. So in a lot of countries in the world today, construction has been used by several governments to actually ensure that people can still get employed. So public investments, for example, in building of roads, bridges, in the building of buildings, in doing road maintenance works and so on, are necessary things that needs to be done because those that are falling out of jobs will be able at least to look for alternative options within these investments that would stimulate construction jobs, for example, for the local economy. And finally, the last one is to strengthen collaboration. I think everyone of us would agree that this is not just the job of government alone. The church, for example, has to step in and I think we've seen the diocese, for example, of Tagbilaran do that with its ABAG program, distributing several goods and support to households across the diocese, for example. The business community is needed. The educational institutions are actually also needed so that all of us will be able to contribute in terms of actually preventing further spread 
of the virus, but also protecting the most vulnerable economically. So these are the 10 things that our respondents and the experts that we've consulted in this research have promoted or have pushed forward so that we will be able to recover easily and swiftly, hopefully, but also while the virus is still here, we'll be able to protect everyone from not only contracting the virus, but also from potential hunger that is caused by the negative economic impact of the pandemic to our workers and employees. So there you go. Those are the 10 areas that our respondents think the city government of Tagbilaran should all focus its efforts on. And I think it's safe to say that this is not just only a call for the city government of Tagbilaran, but it's, this is a call for every one of us. Protecting the vulnerable, for example, is not just the job of the city government. Even the business sector can also do that by launching, for example, several charity events that would help raise funds for those who lost their jobs so that they will be assisted. Educating people is not just the job, for example, of the city government. It's also the job of educational institutions. And we have many of them here in Tagbilaran City. Promoting mental health, for example, is not just the job of the city government, but it's also the job, for example, of psychological associations or professionals in this field. So what I'm saying actually is, while these recommendations have been actually put forward for the city government of Tagbilaran, I think bits and bits of this can actually be done by institutions, firms or private companies, by educational institutions, but even by individual citizens of the city. I think every one of us needs to do our part because as what Mayor Baba has said in several of his remarks in the past, we need to recover from this crisis together. So thanks very much everyone for listening. You have just listened to the full research presentation of the socioeconomic impact research that we did for Tagbilaran City. In the next episodes, we'll be talking about other research projects that I am leading, the findings that we are getting out of these research studies. I hope that you're getting insights coming out from this sharing, and I hope also that you will join me in wishing for and praying for a much, much better world post-COVID. Thank you very much, everyone, and speak to you soon. Bye. Stories in Numbers